episode 82 with Jared Tendler, Mental Game Coach. This is Crowdfunding Uncut, the place where creators and entrepreneurs come to learn how to launch a successful crowdfunding campaign. Here's your host, Kirsten Ross. This episode is brought to you by BackerKit. BackerKit is a crowdfunding fulfillment software service that helps you take care of all the spreadsheet nightmares after your campaign is done. Let me explain. Once you have hundreds of new backers for your product, you're going to be exporting a ton of customer data that is probably going to change. People will need to change their shipping address. They'll want to downgrade some of their rewards. They'll want to buy more rewards. And when you don't have a system in place to help with this, it's actually going to be taking a lot more of your time dealing with customer service admin, and you're probably going to screw stuff up, which is not good long-term for customer relations. BackerKit gives you a full done-for-you software platform online where you can easily manage all of your customer data. And my favorite part about working with them is that once your campaign actually wraps up, they help you get additional sales from your customers by offering to upsell to more rewards or options that you may or may not have on your campaign. They have worked with more than 2,000 projects, delivering more than 3.5 million rewards um, and products. This could be digital products or, heck, even physical products to you guys. They've been amazing to work with. I've partnered with them on the show because I've worked with them in the past and they are amazing. So if you are looking for a partner after your campaign, that's going to make your life super easy. They are the ones to go to. To find out more information, go to backerkit.com. But wait, at checkout, they're actually giving the uncut listeners, which are you guys, going to give you 50% off of their setup services. So when you go to backerkit.com, go to checkout and use the five code uncut, U-N-C-U-T. I'd like to thank the guys over at Gadgetflow for sponsoring this episode. Gadgetflow is a product discovery platform that reaches more than 25 million people per month. They've helped more than 6,000 crowdfunding campaigns and also companies like Sony and Amazon boost their sales and exposure through their community. So if you're looking for another way to get exposure to your crowdfunding campaign, be sure to go to thegadgetflow.com slash submit to find out more information. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. It's Kirsten Ross here. Um, yeah, I know I say this a lot, but we are taking a different path for this show. Um, you may have listened to the first bit and you're like, what the heck is a mental game coach? Now, if you've been a longtime listener of the show, you're going to know that we handle a lot of the execution side, st- uh, strategy, how to build your skill set, how to execute and actually do a and have a successful campaign. But what we don't talk about a lot, and I, I think that this is very uncommon in the entrepreneur side of things, is how when you focus so much on doing things you've never done before, which is crowdfunding, you could be a first-time entrepreneur launching your product, um, when you hit a certain level of success, you can actually ruin being successful if you're not prepared for it. And Jared Tendler, the, um, the guest on the show today, he is a mental game coach. And what he does is he works with some of the top poker players in the world, uh, the top pool player, um, he got his start working with professional golfers to help them stay at the top of their game. And he, you know, he's going to get into the story himself, but what he noticed is he, um, when he was 18 years old and he'll tell the story, but he was getting into the professional golf leagues. And there's a point where, yes, you know, you need to have a certain skill set to be able to play in the big leagues with people, 
but he ended up realizing that having an amazing skill set and getting to uh, some of the, you know, what people would call success with golfing and tournaments, that's not enough because he actually choked under pressure. And a lot of the people that he starts to work with, professional poker players, you could be strategically, you could be better than the guy you're playing against. But if you choke and you don't know how to handle your anxiety or whatever else is going on in your brain when you have to perform, it can actually cause you to ruin your success. And the funny thing is, like, when Jared and I are talking about this, he has a very unique perspective on setting expectations with yourself and how to not derail your success because of how some expectations you may have set of how certain things should go or how to goal set and really how to how to develop your mindset so that you are able to perform at higher levels when you start to do bigger and better things in life and I think like this interview I really um personally, I I struggle talking about what goes on in my personal life outside of business because frankly, I just, uh, I don't know, maybe it's my personal hang up that you guys will, you're here for the guests. And so I don't want to like step on their toes. So I don't share a lot of, of my opinions on air or what, what goes on in that background. That's, that's something I'm working on. Um, so I think I, I should have shared some of the things that was going on in my life, but about six months ago, I started working with a coach because I found that I was getting uh, a certain level of success, but no matter what I did, I couldn't, like, there was something stopping me from going to that next level and, and playing a bigger game. And so this is where I started to really discover how my mind was impacting, how, like, just how I react to certain things. Like, um, it's probably too much to get into right now, but I just realized I was holding myself back because of some of my beliefs about myself and, um, just starting to do some of that work. It's just amazing to see how, if you shift the, um, like how you think about things, how you are going to play a bigger game and you're going to be more prepared for the bigger things that life throws at you. And this, you know, full circle is so relevant to, you because you doing a crowdfunding campaign, you could do all the execution, but then when you go and raise $100,000, quarter million, all of a sudden, like crap gets real and you don't want to be the one to set, to um, like screw that up because you weren't mentally prepared for it. So I'm just like really excited about this. Um, you're probably wondering what's going on in my personal life. Well, it's like, I noticed, do you ever have things go really well for a few weeks? Like you may have in, in my, uh, I don't know, like you maybe as an entrepreneur, you're starting to get a ton of sales. Your personal life is going well. Maybe you just met the love of your life. Maybe, um, you got that dream job, like whatever that is. When things start to go too well in your life, all of a sudden, there's a little voice in your head that says, hey, this is a little too good. Something, it, the ball's about to drop somewhere. And then all of a sudden, you get super paranoid and end up like screwing something up. You could go home to your wife, your husband, and just start a big fight because you 
are paranoid of, of what could happen. And man, we could like, I can talk all day about stuff like this, but I want to give you a good backstory as to why I brought Jared on the show. And it's, uh, it's just fantastic. I would love your feedback to see what you think of this new angle for the episode, but he's awesome, super relevant to entrepreneurship, and let's get to the show. Thanks so much, Kirsten. It's, uh, it's great to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited to get into some of these issues because I find that this show is focused so much on the how-to strategies, how to market your Kickstarter, how to make sure you have a product that people are willing to pay for, how to scale it. And recently I've started touching on how crowdfunding is a long-term game where if you have a physical product and you launch it online and you have success, all of a sudden you have a business and you need to start acting like a business owner to look at how you're going to launch that on Amazon and how you're going to really turn that into um, potentially a full-time thing that can ultimately change your life and your lifestyle. And because I do a lot of work with entrepreneurs, I find that they underestimate this whole side of the game that's called mindset and mental game, which you are an expert in. And what I've found like in my own business, my own life, uh, is whenever I start doing bigger things, like I'm literally in this right now and I'm working with a, um, like, uh, a mindset coach, for example, to help me deal with some of the scaling problems that comes with being an in-demand consultant, um, you know, rising talent, whatever you may call me. And I'm coming up with all this stuff and a lot of things that we're going to be talking about today that I didn't even realize that like your mind can actually self-sabotage consistently because it's trying to keep you in your comfort zone. And so when you're trying to do bigger and bigger things, you're going to come against a whole lot of opposition when you're doing that. And I noticed this like not only in my business, but because I work with multiple clients, you know, some of them are launching a business or a crowdfunding campaign for the very first time. They freak out and they don't understand why some things are so challenging to them, like taking, um, taking a first step or um, just whatever that looks like. They just have a very, very hard time dealing with those first steps of entrepreneurship. And then not to mention what happens once you've raised quarter million dollars because things get real. And, you know, just the fact of this whole mindset game, I wanted to explore that side of it because I feel like it's something that we as entrepreneurs have no clue about until we start, until it's too late, until we start sabotaging our success, until we realize that we're super stressed, we're not happy, we're not making gains in our life or in our business that we want to anymore. And that's why you're here. So I would love to know, um, when I first came across your work, the whole concept of a mental game coach, I loved it. And could you go into a bit of detail as to what exactly a mental game coach is? Yeah, basically, I'm looking at uh, correcting the emotional reactions that people have. Uh, and in particular, you know, when I'm dealing with, with entrepreneurs, uh, I, I work with, with a lot of poker players. Uh, I work with esports athletes, you know, people who play video games professionally. Uh, I work with day traders, uh, you know, whose, whose jobs are, are much more mental than they are physical. So their, their technique, in a sense, is decision making, right? As an entrepreneur, for the most part, what you're doing is not that physical, right? Unless you're a craftsman, 
unless you're, you know, doing work that's very hands-on that requires technique with your hands, you know, your job is basically to execute and make really good decisions. And so I help people to remove the emotion that basically breaks down their decision-making and causes them to do a lot of, of dumb things. Um, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, sabotage and self-sabotage uh, a handful of times. And I actually think that that uh, phrase misconstrues uh, what's actually happening for people when they get into those situations because it's, it, it gives the impression that there is some conscious control over this. And, and you have to realize that uh, there, is, there are these unconscious processes, right? There's these uh, bad habits, these old skills that you've, that you've acquired uh, that are, are outdated, right? If you raise a quarter million dollars, like you don't have the skill to manage that situation. You may have aspired to it. You may have dreamed about it, but that's no different than an athlete who, you know, uh, or an aspiring athlete who dreamed about playing professional golf one day and finds himself, uh, you know, uh, leading a golf tournament after uh, 54 holes trying to win it or a poker player who, you know, just played as a hobby and all of a sudden started playing really well and then, you know, wins a bunch of money and now uh, finds himself, uh, you know, playing for, for huge sums of money, right? At a, at, at a basic level, you have not experienced what it's like to manage situations like that. And just the novelty alone can create a, a lot of chaos. However, the novelty alone is not going to create chaos uh, for people who have like really strong confidence uh, who, who don't expect too much of themselves. Um, and, and so what ends up happening is that, that when you are trying to kind of move up the ranks, uh, these, these situations put a huge spotlight on these fundamental weaknesses that we have in our character and our, in our, in our confidence, uh, in the way that we handle, uh, these situations. And, and it's my job to help people uh, figure out exactly what those weaknesses are. Cause very often they're, they're hidden from their view because they've never actually done that kind of uh, that, that, that work before. They've never paid attention. So they're not, they're unaware of what, what those weaknesses might be. Um, and they don't know how to fix them either. So, you know, sort of a full scope of, of helping people recognize what's going on, uh, why and how to fix it. Yeah. And just to give an example, um, because I have a few close friends that are in the same position as me in terms of scaling business and being where they are pretty uncomfortable because they've never done things before. Um, one thing that I experience and a few of my good friends experience is when things start to go really well for them, if you're, um, just say you're a consultant and you start to bring on a ton of clients and your clients are getting amazing results and they love you and everything in business is going well, all of a sudden you might start to have an anxiety attack because you're just expecting things to go wrong. And you start to think, well, this is going too well. What if my clients fire me? What if this? What if that? And you start to stress yourself out to a point where you could be making bad decisions where you might ultimately um, ruin a relationship with the client. And then you're, it's going to become a self-fulfilling prophecy if you give into those anxiety-ridden thoughts. Um, so are these some of the things that you would deal with, but obviously translate that into the, like, the professions that you work with? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so like in that situation, uh, at a very basic level, I mean, sort of psychologically speaking, basic level, uh, that anxiety can be eased. And for some people completely eliminated, uh, if they were to actually look at what makes them good as a, as a consultant. Uh, sometimes when you, 
when you have that kind of feedback, it's almost like too good to be true, right? You can't quite believe that you might be that good. And to a degree, like you might have gotten a little bit of good luck with clients who just really fit you very well. You know, being able to kind of go through the ups and downs of having, you know, clients who are more more difficult, have higher expectations, have more challenging products. You know, you, you look at a more diversified uh, client base and having success with that, you know, lends itself to to greater uh, skill than having it with a with a narrow set, unless that narrow set is big enough for you to make a business for long term. But either way, being able to know why you're good is 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 key to being able to ease some of that anxiety because now you know that you're not going to screw up and have uh, you know some really poor conversations with them because you understand what makes you what makes you good. You understand your core competence. Now I'm curious um, before we get too far into the the how tos, I would. How does one become a mental game coach, coaching world champion poker players, professional golfers, financial traders, entrepreneurs? Um, like, how? Where did your journey start with all this? Uh, Eighteen years old, trying to qualify for the U.S. Open as a golfer. Um, so I, 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 I had dreamt of playing professional golf when I was young, and uh, at this point, I was playing golf in college. Uh, I was kind of got a, got a late start, so I was playing Division three golf um, and try to qualify for the U.S. Open. Now there are two rounds of, of two rounds of qualifying, and in the first round. Uh, and I should say the second round of qualifying, you're basically playing out of a field of 150, uh, 70 plus are full-time PGA tour players, uh, or maybe not 70 plus, but, but there's a large majority who are full-time PGA tour players. And then you've got a large majority who are full-time professional golfers. So you're essentially playing a massive professional golf tournament. The first round is a lot more amateur, uh, a lot more amateurs, but uh, still very challenging. I played some of the best golf of my life in this round and and basically choked on the putting green. So I was missing tons of short putts, uh, ended up missing uh, a playoff by a shot. So I, I knew I was kind of like on the doorstep here. I had the capacity, but my mind basically broke down. And typically when your mind breaks down, it's going to affect the part of your your tactical game, right? The part of your game that is the weakest, which is which was my putting. So it was at that point that I realized that you know, in order for me to get to where I wanted to be, I had to solve this issue. And I dove into sports psychology. There were several big people who had written books at the time, and I read everything I could. And my game actually did continue to get better and better throughout my college career. Uh, I ended up being being a three time All American. I won nine college tournaments. But at the end of the day, when I was playing on the national stage in these big big events. Um, I just kept choking. So sports psychology helped me to a point, but it wasn't really uh, actually getting at the root of the problem. And so I decided to go into tr- to traditional psychology, a traditional therapy, and, and get a, a master's degree. I'm, I'm technically a licensed therapist. Uh, and, and I did that so that I could understand how to break down the underlying flaws that were contributing to these issues. So sports psychology back then uh, treated anxiety uh, by saying, okay, we're going to teach you relaxation techniques. They treated confidence by trying to boost your identity and saying, you know, you've got to believe in yourself and have all these positive affirmations. Uh, they treated motivational issues with, you know, inspiration and, you know, motivational messages and things like that. Um, you know, to handle pressure with building routines, right? It was very much of a skill-based approach that I thought uh, was, was strong in some regards because obviously it worked for me and I saw it working for lots of other people. But the big limitation was it didn't really understand why somebody was 
not confident, why they were having fear, why they were uh, getting angry or having you know motivational issues. The, the why questions were were very poorly answered to me, and and a therapist is is tasked with figuring that out. So I figured combine the two, and you know I, I would either you know solve my issues so that I could play some professional golf, or I'd have a career. And and ironically enough, I, I ended up having both. Uh, five years roughly after I went to grad school, um, I started. I played a couple professional golf tournaments, um, and I. I for sure cured my mental game issues. Um, I had a stretch where I was playing just unbelievable golf and that gave me the, the confidence to start playing some pro events. Uh, but it was at that exact time that I met a professional golfer, I'm sorry, a professional poker player uh, who basically introduced me to this, this whole world of poker. Um, and I should back up one second. Uh, so I basically uh, graduated from college, got my master's degree, uh, got my license as a traditional therapist, which required... 3,200 hours of traditional practice. So, you know, very well trained, quit my job, uh, flew to Arizona, knew nobody, uh, and started a, a practice working with, with golfers. Right? I knew golf very well. I'd specialize and, and, you know, create a career that way. Um, had a pretty good practice going, um, you know, worked with a number of, of, of really good amateurs and I'm just kind of average people and, and some professionals, um, had some success, but, you know, it was kind of, tough. I was, you know, 27 at the time, looked like I was 19. Uh, there was a lot of other people, there was a lot of other competition, you know, doing what I did. Uh, but then this poker world uh, kind of got introduced to me and and there was literally no one doing it, right? There was no one like me in poker. Um, and and poker was, was uh, online poker in particular, was booming. It was a huge growth market. So uh, I started working with this one professional uh, poker player, had a tremendous amount of success, uh, he was a guy back in 2007 who was making $20,000 a month playing online poker. Uh, and and all the while, he was having extreme anger issues that was causing him to just, you know, rip his computer out of the, out of the, out of the wall and break, you know, monitors and mice. Because in poker, there's a lot of short-term uh, bad luck. Uh, good luck, too. But, you know, when, when you're the better player and you're losing to somebody who, you know, to, to use a golf example, like, you know, a PGA Tour player losing to you know, like a local country club hack, like a 30 handicap golfer who just, you know, is terrible. I mean, it's like incomprehensible how somebody with that big of a skill gap uh, could ever lose. And in poker, it happens all the time. Like that's, that's what makes the game so profitable. So, so he was having a really hard time dealing with that scenario. Uh, the four months after he and I started working together, uh, he made on average $150,000 a month. So the, the power of the mental game work was pretty significant for him. And, you know, it just so happened that he was a part owner in a online training site. And, and I got invited to start creating some online videos, participating in forums, answering people's questions. And, and it gave me an opportunity to really kind of dive into this world of poker and understand how I could apply what I was doing in golf uh, to poker. And so, like I said, I was, I was just kind of starting to play some professional golf and, and I kind of had to make a decision. Um, and ironically, you know, poker was the safe, safer bet in my mind because to become a professional golfer was uh, going to require a huge investment uh, of, of money that I didn't have. So uh, <laughs> the poker route uh, basically kind of blew up. Um, within months, I was I had, you know, a roster full of, of players who uh, I was working with. And, um, you know, down the line, I ended up uh, writing uh, two books, The Mental Game of Poker 1 and 2, uh, which have have done really well, and you know I've got now I have uh, over 500 po- 500 professional poker players that I work with, 
I have clients in 45 countries. Uh, you mentioned some of the, uh, the day traders. Uh, I've got one of the top-ranked pool players in the world. Um, I work basically from home. So I'm an entrepreneur myself uh, and, and uh, you know, self-published both my books. So I have a, I have a, I have a publishing business and a coaching business. So I kind of live and, and breathe kind of what I promote as well. And, uh, yeah, that was my entry. Now, going to pause. We cannot forget to thank the guys over at BackerKit for sponsoring this episode. BackerKit is a crowdfunding fulfillment software service that helps you take care of all the logistics, spreadsheets, and um, sorting customer data. Not only do they help make customer address changes super easy or changing rewards after someone has already bought, but the power is that they also help you um, do upsells and downsells and take care of all that. So if you don't have a system or a platform already set up, um, they've already built that for you. And the best part, you can find them at backerkit.com, but they've actually create, um, created a discount code for the uncut listeners, which are you guys. So if you go to... Uh, check out, use the code UNCUT, U-N-C-U-T. They're going to give you 50% off of their startup services, which is amazing. Um, so if you want to keep selling and keep making money and stay super organized um, after your campaign, they are the guys to go to. I've worked with them on a few campaigns now, and they are amazing. Again, backerkit.com. So going back to when you were 18 and you choked on the field, and you went straight to... Um, you diagnosed yourself and you jumped into the cures, like the meditation and relaxation exercise and stuff. But how did you, what was it about your experience that you just knew there was something wrong with how you were thinking or approaching it? Like, what was that symptom for you? I, I fortunately, it was uh, a friend. I mean, I, I was basically describing what had happened to me and, and he's, and his eyes just kind of like bugged out of his head. He's like, He's like, you have to read this book, uh, and and the book is is called uh, "Golf Is Not a Game of Perfect" by Bob Rotella, who was the big sports psychologist, uh, big golf psychologist back then. So it, yeah, it wasn't my own self reflection that that got me to realize that it. it was you know the uh, the the luck I suppose that I had uh, a friend who had just read that. Because what I found from my own experience is we are not aware of how our brain is. I know you don't like this term, but sabotaging our success, or it's like preventing us from going to that next level. And I was not aware of the, my ego or um, just the role that your mind and that like inner voice plays on your entire life until uh, what, seven years ago, I read a book called leadership versus self-deception. Mm. And it, have you heard of that book? No, but it sounds interesting. No, it's, it's amazing. It basically talks about how you are, messing up personal relationships in your life by not taking personal responsibility. And it helps you um, identify where you are screwing up key relationships in your life because we think that it's all the other person's fault when we actually don't realize what we are bringing to a situation to cause it to be a problem. And it's like at that point by reading that book, I realized how much I was like impacting the relationships in my life and I never knew this side of my my brain or how like at first it was just like I would look and say oh this person's such a jerk they're not calling me back but what you actually don't realize is maybe what you did to cause them to not call you back and totally as soon as you realize there's like this inner voice that's working for 
to protect you and, you know, the crocodile brain and, and all that stuff. But that's when I started becoming very self-aware and realizing there's a lot more to this mind thing than a lot of people realize. And you don't realize it till someone says, like, you know, you're freaking out over things that don't matter. Try this, or maybe that's a symptom of that. And then they start to discover, like, wow, I'd never realized my brain operated this way. Totally. Well, yeah, I mean, the ability to be aware is is massive. I mean, you can't solve a problem that you're not aware of. Um, so the one piece of advice that I would give to everybody is to recognize that every single person on the planet has mental or emotional weaknesses. Some of them are going to be a lot, a lot, you know, sort of less weak than yours or a lot stronger than yours. But, but the reality is, like, no one is perfect. Everyone has this you know, sort of variation that exists within them. There are times where they're, you know, at their best. And then there are times when they are at their relative worst. And, and so if you are unaware of what your psychological weaknesses, is, weaknesses are, it doesn't mean that they don't exist. It just means that you need to figure out what they are, right? And I know what my weaknesses are because I, I, I've spent a lot of time working on this. Uh, but, but the reality is we all have weaknesses and it's your job to become aware of the mental ones. And I will say, too, that, that I think sometimes people have either shied away from or been, you know, turned, turned off by, you know, mental game, sports psychology, mindset stuff, um, because it has been oversold to a degree. Like, I've, I've heard people talk about, you know, in particular in golf, that golf is like 90% mental. Uh, and, and those kinds of ideas, I think, really are, a, like, do a disservice to the field because, you have to be able to like so in the in the in the case of like entrepreneurship or or uh, you know starting uh, you know new businesses, uh, the business is what is going to cause you to be successful, right? You can't have a successful business with a crappy product, right? Unless you're a scam artist. But if you're if you're you know a person with integrity and and you have a, a good product, that is that is like you know, point number one, right? You can't do it other way, the other way around. Just as a professional, like a golfer can't become a professional with really poor technique. A poker player, you know, is not going to be a great poker player unless they have a lot of skill. So the mental game comes in as kind of the, like the, the oil in an engine kind of analogy where it's like, it's what allows the product or allows that golf swing, allows that poker technique to, 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 to show up. You know, rather than being hidden from view because, you know, the emotional system has the ability to override uh, your decision making and cause you to make a lot of poor decisions. And you can kind of get caught in this downward cycle where uh, you are limiting your success and, and you're preventing yourself uh, from from opportunities that, that are available to you that you're just not seeing. Right. That your vision gets clouded. Your decision making gets poor. You know, everything is kind of working against you. Um, that, that like architecture is something that we all have, you know, you mentioned it, the, uh, the, the reptilian brain. I mean, yeah. you can't, you can't escape that, that reality, right? So the facts are that we all sort of share the same, uh, kind of basic rules, uh, and, and the way that the emotions can, can hijack, uh, and override our, our ability to think is, is, um, is universal. It's how you understand what produces them. Um, how you're able to break down the flaws that produce them and correct those flaws so that over time you can be in similar situations and basically have those those triggers for anxiety or for confidence or loss of confidence be diffused. You know that that's what creates the stability. So so becoming aware of it is a challenge, but 
you know, it can start with, you know, a simple, you know, like writing task, like at the end of each year, at the end of every day, you know, ask yourself, like, like, what situations could I have handled better? Like, what decisions do I think, you know, were in like the bottom 40% of my, my decision making, you know, not the worst of the worst, because you're not going to make really terrible decisions every day. But, you know, the bottom 40% of the bottom 50%. And just start to ask yourself some questions like, like, why did I make this decision? Like, why did I handle it? in this particular way. And, and, it, and, and you may not get answers immediately. You know, it, it may take, you know, some kind of regular focus, but, you know, as a daily task, if you do that, I guarantee that after 30 days, you will know more about your decision-making uh, than you did on day one. And, and maybe you don't come up with huge, you know, uh, insights about your, your mental or emotional uh, weaknesses, but maybe you improve your decision-making. <laughs> so there may, yeah. there's, there's gonna, there's gonna be some benefit. And, and if you still can't figure out what your, you know, mental and emotional weaknesses are, um, you can certainly uh, start to ask people for help. Because where I'm at in my journey right now is I did hire a coach because I found that I was going, like, coming up against a ceiling. And no matter what I did, I couldn't seem to um, get myself to act on certain decisions or whatever. And so over the last three months of me working with her, um, I've started to realize uh, these patterns that I've had in my life for a long time that constantly come up whenever I'm in a situation where I'm uh, outperforming where I was before. And a few of those things that I see coming up, um, I'm in the habit now of writing it down so that when I can see these patterns starting again in the future, I can short circuit them. But one of them is I notice that when things start to go really well, Instead of that, you would think the normal response for, okay, I have tons of clients would be all of a sudden I'm going to say hire an account manager and give 150% to my clients, for example. My default setting is to want to become complacent and like take the foot off the gas a little bit. When they, and I noticed this when I was um, even coaching uh, franchise owners like way back in the day whenever there, we had this one commandment called complacency is death. And it basically said that you need to be careful when a franchisee sells a lot of work, be, or sell, like just say they book $50,000 worth of paint jobs. Um, all of a sudden, they're going to stop performing because they're like, all right, I've had my success. But that in itself is like, no, that's your mind stopping you because you're uncomfortable or whatever. Um, do, you have, do you have really high expectations of yourself? Yeah, I really do. Okay. So, so this, like the complacency is a consequence of your high expectations. And, and, and I'm not saying that this is the only reason, but I'm bringing this up because this is a, an incredibly common phenomenon and, and I'll explain why. So you have to look at, at like what is driving us, right? And, and when people have really high expectations, they, they tend to be more driven to avoid the pain of failure than they are to, you know, the, the thriving of success. So, and, and the reason is because of how your reward system has kind of been, been lined up, right? Like, if you think about like an expectation, it's kind of what you ought to do. Like, there's really, it's, it, there's like a lot of, sh it, it's basically what should happen, which is another word of saying like a guarantee. So why should you be rewarded for something that you should do? And, and emotionally, we don't get rewarded for that. So if you reach your expectations, you get a zero in a sense. But more often than not, 
I mean, you're not going to reach your expectations because they're so high to begin with. So more often than not, you're getting like negatively rewarded for things that you ought to actually feel decent about, which is your growth and your progress. But, you know, it's sort of until you reach those, those, those benchmarks, you are not going to be even remotely rewarded. So for a lot of people with high expectations, when they reach their goals, they feel relief. They don't feel a sense of pride and satisfaction. They're just happy that they've kind of escaped the chance of feeling pain. And so complacency is a natural byproduct of that. So you're saying that when you reach the what you would consider that first goal of success, you become complacent because it's some form of relief. Like, I've done it. Uh, I'm saying that, that, that your goal is actually an expectation, right? That the goal, that a goal implies growth, right? A goal implies this is something that I have to work for, I have to strive for. And, and when, that ha- when, when, when you are actually structuring this path of this journey as a goal, you, you get to feel good at points along the way. Like today I was doing some writing and, and I, I felt I was like super happy because I had kind of gotten into a flow the last couple of days and, and I kind of cracked through a couple points in these chapters that I was writing and, and that just weren't coming together. And, you know, it was hard and I, I felt great about it. I, there's still a lot of this project left to go. But, but because I know that I kind of like got through a hurdle, like I feel satisfied by that. So, so when you have something structured as a goal, you get these hits of, of satisfaction and pride along the way, because it's not just the end result that, that holds the keys to your satisfaction. But more often than not, people, and, and maybe for you, what you, what you really had set as what you were trying to accomplish was an expectation. You didn't say, this is what I want and this is how I'm going to do it. Uh, and, and this is uh, like the path that I'm going to go. But I recognize that there are no guarantees here. I could fail. Uh, I believe in myself. I believe that I can do it. I, I, I want to do it. I, I know that I can do it. But, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty here uh, that, that it was an expectation. You said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it. And, 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 and that was it. Uh, and so when it's structured as an expectation, there's no direct reward at the end of it, or it's gone soon after because now you're just looking at the next thing. Uh, and now the next thing is, you know, just jump higher. And, and it's it's sort of like a, a never good enough kind of phenomenon. Right. I get it. And so if you are, just say you're coaching a aspiring entrepreneur who's launching something on Kickstarter and you really think it's the next million dollar business. Um, how would you, like how in that situation would you, would you coach them to uh, not have the expectation it's a million dollar business and more create a broken down goal of how to attain that? Or how would you um, work with somebody to set proper expectations so that you don't derail their success and you're actually building to, like contributing to it and their growth? Yeah, I mean, the way that I think about it is, is I get them to start telling me, like, what is guaranteed? Because to me, expectations are only what's guaranteed. And, and when you start getting somebody to think that way, they realize that there's not much that's guaranteed. I mean, you know, if it's a million-dollar business, then maybe, you know, 100K is guaranteed and 900K is, is, is not. Um, so, you know, then it's, okay, so what, what, what I mean... If somebody has like the 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 opportunity to create a million dollar business, you know, is that the end? Like, what are you seeing at the? Is it is is it? Yeah, I'm going to get there. I'm going to just take all the money and run. Is it? 
I'm going to, uh, you know, sell and, and, uh, or am I going to try to, you know, grow the business or start another one? So, you know, very often, uh, like looking at, at, at the points beyond can help you to figure out, uh, like what skills you want to learn along the way. So if you recognize in yourself that you're not great at organization or you're not great at delegating or you're not great at hiring people, uh, you, you, you're, you're poor at, at marketing, like whatever the skill set is that you think, you know, you want to really acquire, then that becomes part of the, the road too. Uh, I mean, aside from the sort of like systematic kind of like business benchmarks, there's, there's a ton of skill development that's required to take a business from, you know, a hundred, uh, from, you know, a guaranteed hundred grand to, you know, uh, 10 Xing that and, and making a million dollars. Um, unless it's just, again, you know, uh, pressing repeat, but to me that that's more of an expectation. So, so it's really breaking down a lot of the skill development, uh, and, and, and then also looking at, at the challenges that are likely going to derail your opportunity, whether it's, it's market-based or whether it's personal, uh, and many times these are things that are out of your out of your control, but being able to 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 come up with plans or to solve as much of that uh, those potential challenges as possible gets baked into the skill development, gets baked into the into the plan. Uh, and and the other piece is is to understand um, the why, like why is it so important for you uh, to build the business this way? I mean, you know, money is is a is a is a driving force for most people. Uh, but there's generally always more like the money means something. It means security. It means freedom. It means opportunity. Uh, it means, uh, buying houses. It means buying cars. It means, you know, respect. So, you know, figuring out kind of what, what your, like why your goals matter to you, uh, is, is important because when you are tested, uh, throughout the road from, you know, what is expected to what you want to accomplish, uh, you know, it's important to kind of lean on those whys, lean on the reasons that you are working so hard uh, to kind of push you through that. And then it's important to have, you know, like the feedback uh, kind of baked into that plan, too. So, you know, you're doing weekly or, or bimonthly or monthly or quarterly, you know, kind of check ins with yourself to see how you're doing along uh, in your skill development, to see how you're doing in terms of the business plan uh, or some of the, 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 the product benchmarks that you're after. Um, and, you know, whether you're succeeding or failing, you're still paying attention to what your weaknesses are. Uh, so, you know, for people who are in, in your spot uh, where you're having a ton of success, you know, it's it's sometimes hard to replicate it from the top end to keep kind of pushing yourself forward. Uh, sometimes it's easier to look backwards and say, all right, where do I suck? And let me just suck less. Uh, yes, that is uh, definitely thoughts that are in my brain regularly. What I like, what I really like about your approach is you really are taking the emotion out of the expectations that we may create around the thing that we want to create. And what you are doing is you have a very practical approach to seeing, um, seeing, for example, that million dollar campaign as a means to an end and looking at it pragmatically to like, just like a, step-by-step goal, you know, as opposed to, oh, this would be so cool to have a million-dollar campaign and then be let down and think you suck. But if you say, well, look at the partnerships we've created. I had a goal to bring this to market. We've done that. And, like, just have different markers of things you can control. Um, I see that as, like, a much healthier way to look at your achievements. 
Because then if you fail, uh, you actually can't really fail. I mean, yes, you can fail in totality in that, you know, you only made 150K. Uh, but if you really try and give it a good faith effort, right, you are guaranteed to learn something, whether it's about the, the market, whether it's about the product, whether it's about yourself uh, or the people that you're working with or the types of team or the, the type of people that you need to be surrounding yourself with, right? You're going to learn something that is going to help you in phase two. And maybe phase two you know, or round two or the next business, you know, is not going to come right away because you got to lick, you know, lick your wounds. And, uh, you know, uh, like I, I had a, a trader that I was working with who, um, you know, basically got taken off. Uh, this is an institutional trader. Um, and he was no longer able to manage his own, his own book. Right. And it felt like a, a huge demotion, but I got a lot of mileage with him in, in getting him to see that he just wasn't ready. Right. That there was a lot of things that he didn't really understand about, uh, what his role was. And, and there was a lot that he did, but what was missing was, was fatal for his, his, his role. So, uh, you know, spent the next six months working his butt off to, to figure out what that was, to actually develop those skills, to be heavily involved with his managers and other people. And, and that development basically got him back to trading again. And, and he's super happy, super productive. And, and, you know, it was in a spot that, you know, he had a lot of the character traits, but just lacked a lot of the skill. And and sometimes that's just a reality. And and people who are just, you know, too idealistic, uh, you know, it's great to dream. I mean, I'm I, I'm a dreamer. I'm I like I love having you know visions of what I want to create next. But I know for sure that myself and my clients are being delusional if you don't see any downsides, any challenges, any problems occurring. You know, in your road from point A to point B, right? You are guaranteed to face some resistance at some point from somewhere. And if you don't see that occurring, then you know you're delusional and you need to take a step back and figure out, you know, what might derail you. And so going back to my original point, it's like if you do that at the beginning and you work on those skills, then, you know, you can be more conscious about uh, about the process. It's going to make it more likely for you to be successful. And then if you do fail then you at least have something that is developed uh, that is improved that's going to help you you know when you get your next shot said so well uh i know you have a dinner party to get to tonight so i'm gonna <laughs> one more question um it, do you have any famous last words before we say goodbye i, I guess just to, to really focus on the awareness i think you, you raised a great point and for me and my system and the way that i work with clients like awareness is king so start taking notes start building awareness know that you have weaknesses know that they're there uh, know that everyone does. So, you know, embrace them. Uh, there's a great quote from, uh, a movie, uh, uh, which I'm, I'm blanking on now with Ben Stiller and, uh, uh basically oh, the, 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 one? no, 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 it's, um, uh, keeping the faith. He's a rabbi, uh, with, with one of his, his students, you know, who's having real trouble learning and basically just says, you gotta love that you suck. Just love that you suck, and they kind of go to this little drumbeat of, "I love that I suck. I love that I suck. I love." That. And and look, because if you if you deny those weaknesses, then guess what? They're gonna linger in the background, and those are the things that you're gonna call the self sabotage, right? Those are the things that are gonna trip you up. Those are the things that are gonna take you away. But really, all they are are just learned bad habits that you need to correct, or. They're inherent weaknesses that don't match the current situation, and they're just skills that need to need to be learned because you've never been there before. Whatever it is, you have to know what those are 
Because if you don't, they're, they're going to undermine your ability to be successful. And you'll see them come up again and again and again. So Exactly. Great. Well, uh, Jared, this has been awesome. You have two books that people need to check out on your website. What is a good place for people to go check those out? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, the books are available pretty much everywhere. Um, they're on audiobook as well. And actually, um, if you are not a member of Audible, uh, you can get a free copy. Um, you just go to audible.com, sign up for a free membership, make my book your first one you buy, and you get it for free. Um, and and you, there's no commitment with it. But um, my website is jaredtendler.com. Uh, the books are The Mental Game of Poker 1 and 2. Um, if you don't play poker, it's the first book is going to be tough for you to get through. Um, but... The second book is is really um, general uh, in terms of uh, the way that it's written. Uh, the first book is much more around emotional issues like anger, uh, fear, uh, motivational issues, and confidence issues. Uh, and the second book is much more around like performance, getting in the zone, learning more efficiently, having really good focus, uh, goal setting, decision making, things of that sort. Um, again, the the first book you know may apply, and you certainly can kind of get a lot of themes of it, but you just kind of have to dig through a lot of poker language to get there. But, uh, you know, I've got future books and other things that I'm going to be coming out with over the next several years. So uh, I do have a newsletter list. People can sign up for it. And, you know, you may not hear, hear from me for a while, but uh, eventually I'll have some uh, more mainstream stuff coming out. Awesome. Well, this has been great. Um, I always love taking segues from usual uh, Kickstarter campaigns because this is something that is very under, uh, underrated in the entrepreneur space. So thank you so much for your time and like coming on the show. Absolutely, Kristen. Thanks, thanks so much. It was great to talk to you. All right, that wraps up another episode. Thanks so much for staying with us to the very end. Um, now, if you if you find that your head is spinning with this and you um, are ready to get into planning a campaign and whatever, um, go to crowdfundinguncut.com. There's a physical product checklist that you could pick up for free. Um, it'll walk you through the whole launch strategy uh, that I've used with clients. And in terms of like, if you want a book recommendation for you realize you're doing a lot of this stuff and you want to dig more into that. Um, a really impactful book is The Big Leap. Um, I will put a link to that in the show notes. You can just go to those uh, by going to crowdfundinguncut.com slash blog. And this should be one of the top uh, links that you will see there. And uh, apart from that, if you guys are digging the show, please do um, head over to iTunes and leave a honest review for the show. It does help it get found by more listeners and stuff. So guys, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Love you and can't wait until next week. So see ya. Are you launching a product on either Kickstarter or Shopify and you're feeling completely overwhelmed with the process? Hi there, my name is Kirsten, the CEO of Launch and Scale. To date, we've helped several online sellers sell millions of dollars online and scale their business from zero to seven figures by focusing on building an audience of fans that will actually convert into paying customers. If you're serious about building a seven-figure e-commerce brand with less time and less risk, you should check out our product launch pad. PLP is a proven accelerator that takes you step-by-step -step through the process of launching and scaling your product brand. Brands like the Monk Manual, Aberlite, Series Chill, Jamstack, and several others were all launched using our product launch pad. So if you'd like to be our next success story, go to launchandscale.co slash PLP to learn more. And for a limited time, we're offering a seven-day trial of the product launch pad for only $1. Again, go to launchandscale.co slash PLP to learn more.